When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning as you are listening on a Sunday afternoon slash evening as we are recording here. It is April the 3rd for a timestamp in case some news randomly sparks out here before we publish as it tends to do. Uh, But yeah, Scott, coming out of the weekend here, coming into the weekend, I guess, However, you want to look at this thing. Coach K is done. the The king is dead. It's um, it's a good day to be a college basketball fan in that sense. Uh, lots of other stuff going on around the sports world. How are you doing? Great. You can't spell. Uh, I don't know. I, I should have come up with a word. You can't spell great day without a K. <laughs> for those of you who don't any, know what we're talking about yeah for anybody up. who didn't see the nike ad jesus uh yeah look it up on your own but no i was definitely rooting for uh unc obviously if you weren't you're crazy um what a great way to cap that career i learned also that th- he finished his career as duke's head coach 50 and 50 against north carolina uh, I always thought he had in, in our lifetime, he probably had a little bit of an edge in that. I think they UNC got quite a few early in his career, but uh, 50 50 knocked out of the final four, lost his last home game, lost his last game to his arch rival. If UNC wins the national championship, uh, I suppose a lot of folks who are listening to this after Monday will already know the results of the game. But uh, if UNC pulls it out, although I think Kansas has a, a little bit of an edge, that would just be the ultimate like rivalry is over. UNC is superior forever moment. Did you see the video of the, of the watch party at the North Carolina basketball arena? Oh, it was awesome. There was some, you know, local TV station reporter was covering the, the watch party and the camera had the reaction of like the last five seconds of the game. And the announcer, it's this young woman, she's kind of counting, and there's five seconds left, four, three, and right behind her is the court, and packed arena, they storm the court, and she's like, just watch this. It was so cool. It was one of those, like, I love sports moments. Um, Yeah, like, 
how many times can you see a play storm the court when there actually isn't a game being played there? <laughs> it's fantastic. They'll probably still get fined by the NCAA or the ACC <laughs> for it. In no, but it'll be in like the year 2035 when there will be some sanction that comes down <laughs> about something that happened. We're retroactively years ago. Yeah, investigating your storming of the court. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Like I said, the uh, a lot of folks will know how the season ends on Monday night uh, when they listen to this, unless you're one of the the select few who gets on this, uh, this bus early and, and listens on Mondays after it's recorded, but, or after it's released, but um, just a quick update on our bracket pool. Cause I thought, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was written in stone. I thought we were done here. I thought the, the bracket named coach K just like coach K's career. I thought coach K had, had sealed it. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, I was scrolling down the list and uh, our guy, Scott Brown, SL Brownie has Kansas as the champion uh, and would win our bracket pool by 20, 40 points. Uh, if, if Kansas pulls it out. So there's another Kansas bracket that would also beat coach K, but would not overtake our guy, Scott Brown. So um, we're going to have to wait until I guess the Thursday episode this week to announce our winner again uh you'll get to come on the pod if you want for an episode just for a segment if if you're more comfortable with that or you can uh, assign us a, a topic to talk about some questions to answer whatever you want uh for an episode so whatever you're comfortable with we want to get you guys involved we'd love to have we never had a fan on the podcast other than us we're obviously fans uh but uh yeah, so that's where we stand. Uh, Kansas wins. SL Brownie will be your champion. And if uh, Kansas doesn't win, if UNC wins, Coach K will be your champion in a strange twist of fate. Right. I I heard about a guy I, through Twitter, you know, as everything is these days. There was a guy, it was a, uh, it was a Duke fan who just emotionally hedged and picked North Carolina to win the national championship in a bracket pool and just putting the bet down at the beginning of the tournament where they were like plus 10,000 or whatever, like 100 to 1 odds as an 8 seed to win the title. And now he's sitting there, you know, with his bracket pool, he would win like 10 grand because it's one of those big office pools. It's a $200 entry, whatever. And then the hundred to one odds, and he's just sitting there like I have no idea what to do here. I mean, that's that's the perfect example of the emotional edge, right? That's why they invented it. But that would be such a tough position to be in. Like I'm, yeah. I'm imagining this as a Michigan State fan, right? And Michigan in the college football playoff this year. If you had a bunch of money that you had put down on Michigan, hundred to one to win the national title. And they're going into, let's say they had beaten Georgia somehow, and they're going into the title game against Alabama. And you're sitting there like $10,000 if Michigan wins, but is that worth it? <laughs> is it worth it? <laughs> I, I still don't think so, but I, I'm not sure. I was going to say, what uh, what sum of money would you sacrifice your dignity for? <laughs> uh to to root for michigan in uh in a if it was basketball it would be a lot less like sure. if michigan won a because even the michigan fans don't care about basketball as much as they pretend to they don't care so that would be under the rug in five years 
but Michigan winning a college football national championship, it would take a lot of money, man. I don't, I don't know what I would have to think about that. I would have to do some soul searching there. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I'm imagining this, this Duke fan as like a, like a, college kid i don't know what you said who knows if he's actually in college but like in a dorm he's like the only one celebrating and they've got like pitch, <laughs> torches and pitchforks outside his door uh no that that's that's brutal but um unc great story first year coach uh armando bacot uh oh, he's which awesome. i always read bacon um with the bum ankle i don't know if you saw his quote after the yeah. game he was like basically just had to thug it out, uh, which was phenomenal. Um, and I think I got a pull for UNC. I don't know if you have a, an allegiance. I am in this for final. sure. Yeah, I, I spent just, a week. Ugh. I spent a week at uh, North Carolina's campus. It was an internship uh, back in school, and the whole training program was at UNC Chapel Hill. And so uh, I have a little, little tiny connection to UNC. Um, so I've always liked them. They have a bar called He's Not Here, and it's like the play on Michael Jordan because everybody, oh, I wonder if Michael Jordan will be on campus. So they have a bar named He's Not Here, and they were very, very friendly to the underage drinkers with very poor fake IDs. So special place in my heart for them and uh, and that campus. But go Tar Heels. There you go. What so else? in on. Take it away. Elsewhere in the uh, in the sports world here, I, I put out a little thing uh, earlier uh, in the like an hour ago, just to see if anybody had any questions to start the pod. And and great shout out here uh, from Mike Marshall at Mike underscore Marshall fifteen. Here's my question: How about that performance by MSU gymnastics? Give them a shout out to start the show. So shout out, first of all, Mike, and second of all, and most importantly, shout out MSU Gymnastics. Scott, I'm not going to pretend to be you know, knee-deep in all of this, but I can tell you that the Michigan State Gymnastics, the ladies went out there and just crushed this year. They broke multiple program records. They were in the regional final this past weekend, came up just short. Um, I saw that one of the performers is going to the national final for her discipline. I can't remember who it was or what it was, but shout out to the ladies on the gymnastics team. Yeah, I'm uh, also not an avid gymnastics follower. I'll, I'll watch it in the Olympics because I think they're some of the best athletes in the world. I mean, it might be the most athletic sport in the world when you watch what they're doing. Um, but yeah, they, they went out there, like you said, I'd seen some kind of blurbs throughout the seasons, you know, certain meets where they'd set a program record or various things that I don't really understand because this all kind of washes over my head uh, in terms of scoring and what's significant, but uh, it looks like, uh, where's her first name? Skyla Schulte, maybe that, that was it. Yep. Yeah, going to uh, going to the final. So yeah, shout out the team. Uh, obviously, we like to support all our Spartans out there. Um, I watch gymnastics once in a while, and everything in my body starts to hurt. Just like <laughs> everything. If you had to do like which which gymnastics 
routine or none of them event do you think you could even <laughs> just survive without having to go to the hospital none of them i i mean the floor routine i i would not go to the hospital i'm pretty sure but i would make a damn fool out of myself in front of however many people were watching i would if i had to choose one to do it would be the vault just because it would be fun would be fun. but i would definitely go to the hospital so <laughs> if you could do the high bars i think the men do high bar and the women do parallel bars like if you if you could get your body moving enough to like flip over that bar that'd be pretty fun too yeah. but yeah i'm not sure like i think the most gymnastic thing i've ever been able to do is a somersault i, I like i could never even do a cartwheel um or anything beyond that and i honestly now i don't know if i could do a somersault without hurting something uh, <laughs> it would I, it would take some stretching before dreadful. yeah no definitely not without a warm-up um but yeah shout out to them like i said great athletes go green um, i was thinking about this too and and this is this will be a quick comment for anybody that's listening we have kind of the age demographics i know there aren't too many of you but there are a handful who are college age i don't know if you are currently attending michigan state one of my regrets that i have from my time at michigan state is not going to as many non-football basketball sporting events as i would like to in hindsight um i'm not saying to to go get season tickets for the gymnastics team but you know if you're not a hockey fan Go check out the hockey team for a night. It's it's a blast to go, go to Mon Arena. If you're not a soccer fan, Michigan State soccer is a blast to watch. If you're not a baseball fan, you know, like just go check it out once. It's it's always a good time. I wish I would have done that more often. Just go to a random soccer match and you know pregame it, get a little buzzed, head over to the soccer field with a you know stadium of. I don't know how many, a thousand, two thousand people and just have a blast. Like, so if there are any college students that are listening, I, you know, don't go like I did and and spend your whole four years there and then look at back and it be like, I never went to a baseball game. I wonder what a baseball game is like here. You know, just go do it, you know, go with your buddies, have some fun. I wish I would have done it more. And, uh, and that was all I was thinking of underrated spectator sport i always wished i checked out is volleyball because it's really exciting in person uh or just watching you know i catch it on tv once in a while when i'm desperate for sports and uh it's on and yeah man like you get a good volleyball match that the emotional swings the excitement the crowd it's all there it's got all the components um and genesis i think they play in jenison yeah uh, if yeah. i remember right still a great a great barn uh, to catch an event at. So yeah, check it out I had for, a, for the few that we have. It's still in college. I had an ex-girlfriend who played volleyball. Like we, we dated in high school and she was a volleyball player and they played against, it was against South lion and they had a girl on the team who was committed to Penn state and she spiked one that bounced off of the, off because they play in the basketball court, right? It went off of the court bounced to the upper track that circles around the court and i was just like oh dear <laughs> it was it was just sheer power you could see that if there was somebody as somebody who 
doesn't watch volleyball. And they were like, yeah, there's somebody committed to Penn State. I was like, is it that girl? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's her. It's like watching <laughs> highlight cool film, right? We were watching right. Michael Fletcher in preparation for this episode. We'll get to the D-line soon. We were watching Michael Fletcher tape, and he's one of those guys where it's like, we were talking about this last week. If you don't know who you're <laughs> supposed to be watching within the first five minutes, you shouldn't be watching. And I think Penn State volleyball is yeah. like a top five yeah, perennial that's, program. I think Penn State. That's like getting the Ohio State football offer. Like it's yeah. it's the real deal. Yeah. The Big Ten has has, I think, some solid volleyball squads. Penn State, Nebraska. I don't know if I'm sure there's a handful more in there. I don't know if Michigan State's got an elite squad, but uh yeah, it's high level and it's a fun sport. Yeah. So like I said, if you if you're still in school, go check that stuff out. It's a blast and they deserve your support. So we mentioned college basketball here. There's one game left. That means time is ticking to get in on the DraftKings Sportsbook promo for this uh, March Madness here. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win. You only have two choices here. And get $200 in free bets. If they do, it's that simple. If they win, you win. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops a- action with DraftKings Pools could play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Answer prop questions, go to the pool, track some results, have some fun. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. He's promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win... You win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, we are 16 and a half minutes through the episode. We have yet to talk anything about Michigan State football, but that is the beauty of the offseason is uh, we can just kind of have some fun with this thing. Before we get to the defensive line, which is the subject of today's position breakdown, Very, very, very exciting news here. You're going to want to make sure you are listening right now. If for any reason you have skipped any part of any podcast, wink, wink, I know what we're talking about. Make sure you're listening right now because we have a contest that we are doing for the first time. Standing Room Spartans history. The giveaway is here. We are giving away two t-shirts from breakingtea.com. If you don't know what breaking tea is, it is very simply an NIL connected website. So we are giving away two shirts, one of which is a Charles Brantley shirt. It is a very sweet, it's a black t-shirt. You've got Charles Brantley full extension in his Michigan state number zero Jersey with the one handed interception against Michigan. You've got a Spartan logo on there as well. Uh, there are two Jaden Reed shirts on here, but the one we're going to give away is the catch where it has him going full extension against Penn State. Um, he's, you've got the Jaden Reed jersey. Uh, you've got the Spartan helmet. Everything is official, fully licensed and everything. It's no weird like, you know, something coming from Taiwan where you have like the awkward logo that's not really real. It's all officially licensed products and they are officially licensed NIL products as well. So with these shirts, Jaden Reed, uh, Charles Brantley, they're getting a cut of it as well. So we wanted to, to do something there, but basically we're trying to drum up some podcast interest here through the spring. 
So we are doing the contest giveaway. There will be two winners of this. Each one will get a shirt. We'll get your details uh, after we announce that you have won. So your size, address, that we can ship it out to you, everything like that. How do you enter the contest? It is very simple. We're going to put a tweet out tomorrow. Uh, so Monday, as you guys are listening, the tweet will probably already be out there. We'll we'll post it a couple times. Uh, but basically, two prerequisites. Number one, you have to be subscribed to the show, whether you're listening on, on Spotify or Apple, you have to be subscribed to the show. And number two, you have to be following us on social media. All right. I know some of you don't have Twitter. If you don't have Twitter, I know you have Facebook and you got to be following the Standing Room Spartans community on Facebook. If you do have Twitter, it's at Standing Room MSU and at Spartan Martin 18. The links are in the show notes. All you got to do is click on the link. It'll take you right to the page. You got to be following both pages. From there, how do you get entered into the contest? Retweet the post. Give us a review. That simple. So if you're leaving a review on Apple and you're writing the review, you can just leave your Twitter handle in the uh, in the title of the post or in the the actual notes of the of the review. Or if you don't have an Apple device, I understand some of you listen to Android. I get it, and you're listening on Spotify. Just Put a five-star review on Spotify. Send us a screenshot. So it'll give you a little notification of like, hey, thanks for the review. Just take a screenshot of that. DM it to us. You'll get your name in there as well. So you got to be following both accounts. You got to be subscribed and then retweet the post for an entry and leave a review for an entry. I think that gets through it. We'll make it very clear on Twitter when we post out the tweet. It'll be very clear and simple, but I think I articulated that correctly. Uh, But yeah, these are pretty cool shirts. They are NIL licensed. So Jaden Reed, Chuck Brantley, they'll get a cut of it. Really cool thing that Breaking Tea is doing. And uh, hopefully we can have some fun with this. The winner will be announced right after the spring game. So that Monday episode following the spring game, that's when the winner will be announced. Anything to add there, Scott? Anything that I missed? No, I'd want one of these shirts. Uh, I think I'm so, going to order a hoodie. I, yeah. Yeah, these are cool, and I'm excited to see. I mean, they've got more than this, too. We tried to pick the coolest two we like. They got canine shirts. They got Peyton Thorne shirts. They got just MSU shirts. They even got a Joey Hauser shirt, if that's your thing. But I figured I figured Kenneth Walker was about to get paid here, getting like a second round pick. He'll get a nice signing bonus. He doesn't need our little NIL cut anymore. <laughs> yeah, Chuck Brantley just getting started. We'll see what he does this year. Um, no, this is cool. And obviously, it's no secret why we're doing this. Like you said, Kevin, we're trying to get a little bit of support here in the doldrums of the offseason. It's exciting for us. We're trying to make it worthwhile for you guys those Apple reviews go a really long way. We'll take an Apple rating or a Spotify rating, but um, if you have the time and some nice words to write a review, give us your honest opinion, what you think Um, trying to build that up and uh, yeah, tell your friends. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Retweet this, tell your friends, maybe they want this t-shirt one of these t-shirts. So we're going to do more of these in the future, but we want to see how this one goes. If you have feedback on this one, first of all, get your entry in. Uh, so you're you're in the mix here. But if you think there's something we could do better, um, let us know. You know, when you DM us with your entry, let us know what you think you'd like to see, what kind of prizes you'd like to see in the next one. 
Uh, we yeah, want to the... improve this for the future. It's our first time doing it. So there's still some, uh, I'm sure, some areas we can improve. The better this does, the more we can do. I mean, it's it's pretty much that simple. The better this does in terms of uh, gaining some followers, gaining some steam here. If you're Like you said, if you're sharing with your friends and this does really well for us, we're definitely interested in doing more things like this. So this is kind of our experimental spring version of this but as the season rolls around we definitely want to do more so uh yeah definitely keep an eye out for that that'll be this week and next week uh going into the spring game but we have spent enough time uh here let's get to what we are here to actually talk about and that's the defensive line so we went through all of the offense if this is your first episode you've never listened to us welcome if this is uh something where you're just catching up in the spring the last few episodes, we've been going through the whole offensive side of the ball. So we have broken down every position as we enter and are in the middle of now uh, spring practice. So quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and tight ends, offensive line, all of those are covered. We even did an offensive mailbag in there. So go back through the feed, check those out if you haven't listened already. Today, we're starting the defense and we're going to start with well, where the whole defense starts up front, defensive line. I love talking D-line, so this will be a good one for us. Just to review who's coming out, who's coming in. So if we're looking at the defensive tackle position, interior defensive line, we have one incoming commitment from Alex Van Sumeren. He is on campus right now, so he is here for spring practice Highest rated recruit in the class, four-star kid out of the state of Michigan. Outgoing is Kyle King. Uh, He was listed as a defensive lineman. He played a little edge, played a little interior. Um, Not a huge snap number, but was a rotational guy, Um, so he will be missed. Defensive end, a lot more turnover here. Incoming, you have transfer Chris Bogle from Florida who was a highly rated recruit, two years of eligibility left for him. He is on campus here for the spring. Three-star commit Chase Carter from Minnesota. He is on campus here for the spring. Uh, And then we also have Zion Young and James Schott coming in later this year, coming in for fall camp. Outgoing, you have program staples, really, the last few years. Jacob Panishuk, Drew Beasley, You had Drew Jordan, who was coming over from Duke. He was a one-year guy at Michigan State. And then you have Tyson Watson, Jack Camper, and Alex Okilo, all entering their names into the transfer portal to seek pastures elsewhere. So a lot of turnover on the edge there. Scott, I want to start there. I'm guessing this is, we we didn't talk about this, but I, I was curious and I looked up something before we started here. Between Drew Beasley and Jacob Panashuk, both guys who played significant reps for almost their entire careers, right? Like four-year players, legitimate four-year players, especially for Panishuk. Just between those two, if you had to guess how many snaps they have accumulated over their college careers, to give a rough you know, estimate, especially on the D-line. A lot of these guys are rotating in and out. It's not something where you're playing every single snap 100%. Uh, most of the starters are getting somewhere between four to 500 if you're playing a whole season. Um, it could be more. It could be a little less. Uh, and obviously, you know, rotational guys are getting 
300 or so, you know, again, could be a little more, could be a little less. So uh, if you had to just toss a number out there, because it's a pretty staggering one, Drew Beasley and pa- Jacob Panishuk career snap total. Panishuk's got to have a thousand over the last two seasons. Uh, 5,000. That's it's it's a good guess. Um, no, so the thing is, Beasley dealt with some injuries, or else it yeah, would be up there. About his number. Um, it's but it's like thirty five hundred. Yeah, snaps that you're losing just from those two guys. So, yeah. you know, it seems like okay, you know, Panashuk, Beasley, they're not all world guys. It's not the same as losing Kenny Willickis. It's not the same as losing Shalik Calhoun. But you got to remember, like. Jacob Panishuk has been starting on the defensive end spot for like four years now. And so we're losing a lot of experience. We're losing a lot of talent. I mean, those two, those two guys are good players. Drew Jordan kind of came in as a mercenary. was a good rotational guy, but I I think we're kind of underselling how much we're losing. Um, And I I just kind of wanted to start there, but the defensive line, when you're looking at the spring, when you're looking going into the fall, what kind of stands out to you as kind of some storylines that you're watching for? Well, you mentioned a lot of the players, but my first thought is that we have an entirely new defensive line coaching staff. So Ron Burton had been Michigan State's, in some capacity, coaching Michigan State's defensive line since early 2013. February of 2013, he was hired as the defensive line coach for Michigan State. I'm not sure his role ever changed until we brought in uh, Brandon Jordan as pass rush specialist. And then I think they were going to make him defensive tackles or he was still D-line, but less pass rush. I don't know if they ever really fleshed it out before he left. But so that was what, 10 seasons, nine seasons, uh, nine of them, some of the most productive seasons in Michigan State's recent history in the defensive line. Um, so Ron Burton's out. He was obviously always had a knack for the defensive tackles. Um, and that was and is theoretically lining up to be our strength on the defensive line this year. But you bring in Marco Coleman. Uh, relatively inexperienced as far as a position coach. Obviously, he's been around the game for a long time. And Brandon Jordan, new pass rush specialist, who we've talked about Brandon Jordan a lot more than Marco Coleman, but obviously both new to the program, uh, bringing in some of their own guys and taking over some of our our legacy uh, defensive linemen. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind is how good are these coaches, especially – a guy like Brandon Jordan, who has never spent any time in a coaching capacity around a major program. We mentioned last week he was he had some minor college gigs. He was working with the high school. Obviously, he works individually with pro guys. Uh, but how's he going to do as an on-field coach in, at a major uh, at a major football program? Um, and and same thing goes for Marco Coleman more so just at Michigan State. Coming from Georgia Tech, he's been around a Power Five program before. Um, but yeah, how, how is that going to work, especially with the defensive ends who are a very inexperienced group? Obviously you just mentioned how much experience we're losing there. I think the defensive tackles are in, are in a lot better shape for a multitude of reasons, but we haven't been able to generate a consistent pass rush for six years, seven years. Um, 
and we have a, while. a thin group on the ends and they've got their work cut out for them. So how is this coaching staff going to approach that challenge and what kind of production are they going to be able to, you know, generate out of the guys that we have? And are they going to bring in any more transfers this off season? I think defensive end is still a position that if there's guys out there, we like, you could see some movement um, bringing guys in. I think defensive tackles an area you could see some movement on the way out this spring, just given how busy that, that position is yeah I, a, a few things there because so first of all marco coleman you mentioned bt coach uh, brandon jordan's inexperience marco coleman has only been coaching in any capacity for four years so he's coming in now he was the defensive ends coach for uh, Georgia Tech, he's coming in now to Michigan State as the defensive line coach. So a little bit of an uptick in responsibility. He's also a run game coordinator, listed as a run game coordinator. So it's definitely a step up in terms of the responsibilities that he has. Um, you know, spent a year in the NFL, a couple years at Georgia Tech, but this is definitely the first big role that he's had. Um, and and Mel Tucker, again, you know, you you talked about it last week with Brandon Jordan about Mel Tucker being able to to go out and take some chances on young coaches inexperienced coaches and we're seeing it again with the defensive line we're seeing it with Ephraim Reed as the running backs coach like he's promoting and giving chances to guys without a ton of experience and obviously you can look at Courtney Hawkins you can look at a lot of these guys whom Mel Tucker has has taken chances on, and and so far it's paid off almost every single one. So let's see if that track record continues. But oh, there's there's a lot to get to here with the defensive line, but the the coaching staff is definitely a really important piece of that, and I'm glad you brought it up. The pass rush, I think, is the most uh, kind the most glaring need on the defense, and that includes the defensive backs in my opinion because if you have a great pass rush it makes the life of a defensive back really easy or you got to go go out there and cover a guy for two seconds as opposed to covering him for four or five seconds and it, it just makes a big difference and you mentioned it i i had some stats here that i'll i'll mention in a bit but the sack rate and the pressure rate and all that kind of stuff it just hasn't been great for a while here for Michigan State. The run defense has been excellent. You know, we're we're we've been really good at stopping opposing games, uh opposing game plans who want to come in there and run the ball on us. They haven't had a ton of success when we play power football kind of teams like a Wisconsin or an Iowa mold. But when you play teams that like to spread it out, the easiest way to beat them is just getting after the quarterback. We haven't been able to do that. And when you watch Ohio State games from, from last year, right, that's what we're going against. When we want to go out and win Big Ten titles, you got to go through Ohio State. I know, newsflash, but they're in our division. Like, you're going to have to beat them. And the easiest way to beat a passing team is to just put their quarterback on his ass. And we haven't been able to do that so far. So, can that change this year? Certainly. And, and I definitely hope it does, but the, I don't know. I'd, I don't want to say the cupboard is bare. That sounds insulting, but it just, 
we don't have a ton of talent. You know, we mentioned the guys who are going out. That was a group last year. When you look at the sack rate, just in general, was about seven and a half percent, a little under seven and a half percent. That was like 50th in college football. Um, passing down sack rates. So when you had like second and long, third and long, 58th in college football. Now, those were huge upticks from 2020 where we were like a hundredth in both of them so the arrows pointing up in that sense and you know the one constant in there you mentioned the coaching staff changes but scotty hazelton has been a constant from 2020 to 2021 Um, so i'm sure his pressure and the way he schemes his defense is a part of that but again 50th 60th that's still not good enough so we're gonna need to see a pass rush here and the edges who are on the roster right now, so you're looking at Jeff Piotrowski, you're looking at Chris Bogle coming in from Florida, you're looking at Brandon Wright, who came in uh, for the, the Pitt Bowl game, was his first like normal reps. Like He he had a few reps kind of scattered throughout the year and then had two sacks in that bowl game and really put his name out there, but he's still just a situational pass rusher. He's not you know, a, a guy that's going to be playing full-time snaps, but he at least gave you some hope there. Tank Brown, who we barely saw last year, he was battling injuries. Michael Fletcher, right? We've been waiting for the breakthrough there. And then the other thing, too, we have to remember, at linebacker, Jacoby Winman has experience playing on the edge. Aaron Brule from Mississippi State has a lot of experience playing on the edge. And Marco Coleman mentioned in a press uh, availability earlier this spring that we're going to try out some some linebackers here on the edge spots and see if we can make something work. So don't be shocked if Aaron Brule, Jacoby Winman, some of these guys that you weren't maybe expecting to be edge players, maybe not full-time, but also maybe full-time. I mean, Aaron Brule has played a ton, a ton of edge snaps. I think he led all of college football in terms of QB pressures and pass rush, pass rush snaps from the linebacker position at Mississippi State. So don't be surprised if those guys are in the ring as well. But there's not a lot of proven talent, we'll say that, as far as getting to the pass rusher. Yeah, if you look at the current roster of defensive ends, uh, if we're just talking about the ends, Jeff Petrovsky has the most career sacks on the team. And listen, Jeff Petrovsky's no walk-on. You know, he's not some scrub who was forced in due to injury. Like, he's earned his time on the field. But we've talked about the fact that he's probably physically limited. He's six foot one. How, how many how many white athlete cliches can we bring up with Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Petrovsky? <laughs> He's a he's a real coach's kind of guy. He's uh no, we won't go down that road. But... Undersized, gritty, yeah, athletic no, ceiling. Loves football, <laughs> loves the game. Uh <laughs> yeah, he's he's got five and a half career sacks. He's a true junior, I think, this year. I don't know. Eligibility is such a mess now with that COVID waiver in there that it's it's really not gonna be worth reading into eligibility for like three more years until kind of the dust settles from that. But he's around a junior. Uh, so he's not he's not a senior. Uh, Chris Bogle's a senior. Brandon Wright's a senior. But again, I don't know really how much eligibility. You know, if you have a guy you're curious about, you can DM me and I'll I'll try to run the numbers. But we're just gonna go off who's on the roster right now and assume they're gonna be around for this season, and we'll see beyond that. 
Um, but besides, so I, I do think Chris Bogle, Michael Fletcher, Brandon Wright, Jeff Petrovsky, as far as true defensive ends, that's your core too deep. Um, yeah, presumably you've got Chris Bogle on the strong side and Jeff Petrovsky on the weak side. Although Jeff Petrovsky's got 10 pounds, according to the roster on Chris Bogle, Bogle's still pretty lanky. He's only 240 at 6'4. He's going to get pushed around a little bit unless he's stronger than his, his weight would suggest. But um, can Michael Fletcher, 6'6, 260? We've, we've all seen the guys that first off the bus kind of guy. Can he be consistent enough to play that Jacob Panashuk strong side defensive end role? and really st- stand guys up or is it going to get to a situation like you said, where we got to get creative with our personnel, creative with our formations and packages. And do you go with three down linemen? Do you go to like a five, two, four with extra linebackers on the outside? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff games you can play, but if you look at this in, in the context, Kevin, of like the four, two, five, we ran last year two hand down hand in the dirt defensive ends, almost every snap where's your comfort level not very high uh, petrovsky played like you said petrovsky played well last year he wasn't counted on to be the guy and when you look at who's coming back like i, I don't want to say he is being counted on to be the guy but I don't. I just don't think that's a role made for him. Now he played almost 500 snaps last year at five and a half sacks. Like he, he played a lot and he played well. Again, I don't want to make it sound like some cute walk-on story. I just think when you're competing for Big Ten championships, it's not the type of guy you want to be your number one pass rusher. And when you look at the guys behind him, presumably, or alongside him in the case of of a Chris Bogle coming in from Florida they have more of the athletic traits that you're looking for as potentially being those game record dudes who can get you to a Big Ten championship game but again I mean a guy like Michael Fletcher he has been beat out multiple years by Jeff Piotrowski right Michael Fletcher you mentioned first guy off the bus 6'6 260 rocked up i mean you see that guy walk onto the field and and you know immediately oh there comes big fletch like just coming off the sideline on the tv screen you you notice him and he just hasn't been able to get on the field and it's not for from injuries it's it's just for whatever reason the coaches don't see it in him and that's been really weird i mean he's a guy who coming out of high school had offers from alabama and georgia and Iowa and Michigan coming out of Flint. And and whenever we see him on the field, like I need to go back and do a deep dive on his film because every time we've seen him, I feel like he's flashed. He's played pretty well. But is that just because he's so big that everything he does stands out, right? I, I don't know. But yeah, the, the some of these guys behind him, they have uh, that athletic ceiling that a guy like Petrovsky doesn't have. But there's just inconsistencies there and you know, Hey, Chase Carter coming in. It's good that he'll be there for spring, but listed right now, six, six, two fifteen. <laughs> buddy, you got a lot of weight to put on before you're ready to play big 10 football. So I don't expect to see him even as an early enrollee. Uh, I mean, you've got a solid 30 pounds of muscle to put on before you're, you're going to be counted on to put your hand in the dirt in the big 10. So um, no, I, I don't know. I mean, 
we mentioned Brandon Wright, situational pass rusher that I feel pretty good about. I mean, his flashes last year, you get him working with uh, with BT and and Coach Coleman. I think he could be pretty special when it comes to like a third and eight package, and and you just put him on that speed rush off the edge. But again, that's a guy you're playing 200 snaps, not a guy you're playing 500 snaps. So yeah, the DNs worry me, man. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna have to see something out of Scotty Hazelton with that uh, that playbook and and the personnel. I mean, you mentioned when you look at this purely on defensive line talent, it's it's shaky. When you look at it, when you when you roll in the linebackers and you th- start to think of it in other contexts outside, like a four two or a four three, things start to loosen up a little bit. You know, some of the top transfers that everyone's excited to see um, are have capabilities like you mentioned to play on the line and to rush. You've got other guys at linebacker who I, we talked about Quaveris crouch and the fact that he's a bigger linebacker. Who's I think at risk of losing some snaps at the position he played last year, just given the fact that he just, it took him a little bit to uh, get his bearings. I still not sure if I'd say he, he fully gained his, his bearings in that system last season. So he may be looking for a new role to really uh, exemplify his, his abilities. And it, is that a defensive line? Is that defensive end? Um, I think there's other names like Brandon Wright who are going to trickle into this group throughout this off season and start to see, um, would anybody be surprised if Tyler Hunt became a defensive end? Might as well <laughs> just round out the gamut there and right. add another yeah. position to his list. So I think there's going to be other names that that trickle in. It's a tall order for for Brandon Jordan for his first big job for his first year in this job to walk into this room and uh, figure it out, figure out how you're going to get to the quarterback. Right, and conversely, you have the defensive tackles, who I think is the the deepest, most talented position group on the roster. I think there are potentially five guys that are starting caliber power five players on this roster. You have Jacob Slade, who is a clear all big 10 preseason type of guy, Simeon Barrow, who dealt with some injuries, but when he was on the field, again, you're looking at a potential all big 10 player from what we saw last year uh, in his 10 starts. You're looking at uh, Deshaun Mallory, who I thought, really the last two years when he was given a chance to come in has played really well, but is just behind some really good players and hasn't gotten uh, as many chances as I'm sure he would hope you have Jalen hunt who we kind of talked about. Uh, I, I don't even remember if this was on air or off air, but he was being talked about in the spring last season as being potentially Michigan state's best player period. And behind them, even Maverick Hansen, Maverick Hansen has played really well for Michigan State when he has come in. He has um, just kind of glancing at this. He played almost 400 snaps last year on the defensive line, played really well. I think he could start at a lot of power five schools. And then you're bringing in incoming freshmen, again, the, the highest ranked player in the class for Michigan State. Alex Van Sumeren, who is he has the body type and the athleticism, I think, to play right away uh, at a lot of schools. And in addition to that, you have a guy like Derek Harmon, 
who looks like I don't know if you've seen the pictures of him in the spring. You know, he comes in at like 350 or whatever from high school. He has trimmed down. He looks good. I would guess he'd weigh in a lot closer to a 320 than a 350 now. And, you know, I don't, I'm not ready to list him in the group of like he would start at a lot of Power Five schools because we haven't seen a lot of him, but he has a high ceiling. So you've got five, six guys in there who could be starting at a lot of, a lot of good programs. And like you said, does that mean maybe one or two hit the exit door? Um, they have until it's like early May, I want to say, is the the portal deadline where you have to get your name in there. So it's it's definitely post spring ball as the players kind of get a feel for how the coaches feel about them. Right by the end of a couple months of practice, you know where you're at in the pecking order, and and obviously nothing squared away until the first game kicks off, but. You know where you're at in the eyes of your coaches by the end of spring compared to the other players on the roster. So I wouldn't be shocked at all to see that. But man, there is a lot of talent in that group. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, and it, the, the the good news with all these guys, um, if you're concerned about the, the ability to play them all or whether they're going to be transferring out, whether we're going to lose talent or just bury it, defensive tackle you'd be hard pressed to find a position that rotates more than defensive tackles, defensive ends, the whole defensive line, but you can essentially have four starters at that position. Obviously two of them are going to be out there for the first play of the game. And that's quote unquote, your starters, but you can give four guys enough reps. So they feel like a starting defensive tackle. Um, Right. Again, like you wouldn't know that Maverick Hansen played 400 snaps last year, but he did. Right. Yeah, Jalen Hunt, Deshaun Mallory, they could, they both, I don't know if Jalen Hunt logged a start last year. Deshaun Mallory did in Simeon Barrow's absence, and I think when Jacob Slade may have missed a game. Um, and you didn't notice the difference in production. Like it, it felt like we had our starting two out there. Um, so that's, I think, the core four, right, is, is Barrow and Slade, who were our, when everyone's healthy starters last season, Hunt and Mallory, who, I think last spring we thought would be our starters uh, going into the season. Um, and you mentioned the other guys, Hanson will still be heavily in the mix. Um, I think Van Summeren, who knows, we won't have to play him unless there's, you know, some terrible injury situation, but I think he's good enough. You find, I mean, even Derek Harmon last season in this, the same busy group found his way on the field and managed to flash a few times near the end of the season. Um, so, and he is a hell of a lot more, college ready than Harmon was coming in like Ben Sumerant's got the build he's got the athleticism the footwork the technique he's got a motor on him I mean that guy plays hard I I would expect him to take this spring to really really challenge the rest of that group and again maybe not get a a ton of snaps but I I think he'll get on the field uh even more than Harmon did last year and you add in the fact that we have a couple of new coaches uh, in this position group, they may see something different. They may prefer something different in the guys that they give snaps to. And you may have, I don't know, Maverick Hansen and uh, Derek Harmon starting this fall. You, you know, with this group, you never know. It happened last season. We we went through our depth chart predictions in like July or August last season, and we were completely wrong on the defensive tackles, both of us. 
Um, so it's exciting. It's a good problem to have. If you can't tell by the excitement in my voice, it's, it's probably the, the group that Kevin and I are most excited to watch, at least on the defensive side, uh, just in terms of expecting really good play. There's other storylines in every group, the linebackers, we don't really know how to flesh out. That's an exciting one just to see who's going to be playing. But in terms of watching guys with the expectation that you're going to see a whole group consistently making plays and challenging the guys on the other side of the ball. I think the defensive tackles are the first one you, uh, you point to. Yeah. D line in general, right? I, because I think a large part of it is because of the way that college football or NFL football or whatever is broadcast. You have, I mean, it's always going to be following the ball and the defensive line is always going to be close to the ball. So you see them more than anybody else. Right. If you're just watching, this is always one of the funniest things to me is people who only have access to watch the broadcast angle on TV and then say that X cornerback sucks. Like, how do you know? (laughs) You don't watch any, you can't see anything that the corners do on the broadcast angle of a television broadcast of of a football game you have no idea what they're doing for 80 percent of the play and just because the guy that he was guarding at the start of the play scored a touchdown they're like yeah he sucks <laughs> and they just throw it like if you're if you have season tickets you sit in the end zone and you you know what you're looking for in terms of zone coverage versus man coverage and this zone versus this zone um you can you can obviously gather everything you want from a play, but the broadcast angle does a really poor job of allowing you to see what defensive backs are doing, but it does a great job of allowing you to see what defensive linemen are doing. And so I think just that side of it, it it makes defensive line fun and interesting to talk about. And, um, and on top of that, it's just a, you get the big guys. They always have a big personality. They always have, uh, they always have a lot of fun. They're hitting hard. And and I always love watching a, a great D line. We, I think we brought it up last episode, but I think there's nothing more enjoyable in all of sports than your team having a dominant D line. It just something about the way that it completely wrecks the other team's hopes and dreams. Um, I don't think we will have that level here this year but that looks like what we're trying to build right between mel tucker scotty hazelton marco coleman brandon jordan it looks like that's kind of where this thing is headed is at least the template of we're going to try to build this defense through the defensive line and and that's something i they have my full support of yeah it's been a long time like i said since we've had a great pass rush that said We haven't talked much on this episode and we're running out of time here, so I'll try to make it short, but run stopping is something that has carried over since honestly, I don't know the stats from early D'Antonio years, but from when those, you know, 2013 and on when the program really took off, that's probably been the most consistent area of, of the program stopping the run. It's just hard to run against us. Narduzzi instilled that culture in his four, three, um, he committed a lot to stopping the run. He trusted his secondary. And uh, and we had top five, top ten run-stopping groups. Even as as recent as two years ago, we were top ten in a lot of run-stopping stats. Last year, slowed down a little bit. It was not a bad group. It was a top-half group in the country. 
but I think a lot of the stats, a lot of the key stats for run stuffing were what in the twenties, thirties, forties, uh, when you break it down, which good, not As great compared to the number one, number two, number three, that it was for a long time there. Yeah. So obviously you don't want to see that trend continue in terms of, of taking a step back, uh, in the run stop. And I'm actually a little bit surprised it happened last year. Um, Unless we were, I mean, we changed to a four, two less guys near the line of scrimmage just means maybe a few more yards in the run game. But, um, I think we're set up obviously with those defensive tackles to make it really hard to run on the inside. It's just a matter of plugging the gaps the rest of the way. So, uh, we'll see how that continues, but obviously that'll be, and that'll be vital this year too, because of the schedule we have Minnesota and Wisconsin and Illinois coming from the West. Those are all teams who run the football really well. Uh, obviously Minnesota, they had like their fourth string running back last year with all the injuries. And I think he still ran for a thousand yards. Uh, obviously we know what Wisconsin likes to do Illinois with Brett Bielema. They're going to line up seven offensive linemen and try to run the football and then obviously play everybody in the East, Michigan, Ohio State, great running teams. So stopping the run is going to be huge any year in the Big Ten, but when your crossover opponents are are Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois, stopping the run is going to be very, very important uh, this year, more than most years, I would say. And, and even the last game of the season is Penn State, who didn't have a good run. They had a terrible running game last year, but they're bringing in the number one running back in the 2022 class. And, you know, the end of the season, maybe that kid gets his legs going and and starts to break off some stuff. So we could be facing a gauntlet in terms of Big Ten running backs, running games in general. So, yeah, stopping the run, that's going to be huge this year as well. Yeah, Penn State's interesting. They, I think most of their issues were their offensive line. It was dreadful um second half of last year but yeah it's it's going to be interesting i mean i'm excited to see every group here i really hope we get a real spring game i really think it's unlikely for the reasons we detailed yeah, in previous episodes <laughs> but it's just so nice to see live snaps and see guys get the opportunity to really flash in live situations but we'll make do with whatever we get here i'm excited to see how this line pans out I'm really hoping, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's excited about Brandon Jordan. He's got a great social media following. He's he's a fun name to have in the program. He seems to have a great attitude. Um, I really hope he can uh, generate some production from this group because at the end of the day, now that he's a position coach, his job is to put a productive group of players on the field that fits with the scheme. And uh, it would just really stink with how much we love the guy and <laughs> love the hire if his group stunk this year and, and it didn't pan out. So right. not putting all it's, the pressure on him. It's a, it's a team effort with the coaches as well, but um, yeah, it would be a bummer. The hires all, all are fun until they don't work <laughs> for some reason or another, right? Like imagine all of this momentum, all of it, all the excitement. And then Mel signs like the number 45 class next year. And it would just be like, oh God, <laughs> what, what do we do with this now? Like you got to have the results, right? That's that's yeah. super important. So uh, the pressure's on with these guys. Like we said, I mean, Mel Tucker's given chances to a lot of unproven, inexperienced coaches. And so far it's all worked. And 
hopefully that trend continues with the the defensive line guys. So, Scott, to keep this thing under an hour, which we are just short of, any closing thoughts here before we get out? One closing question to cap this of the defensive ends and the defensive tackles of the names that were not on the roster last season. So Alex Van Summeren, Ooh, there's not that many actually. No. Uh, Chase Carter, <laughs> Chris Bogle, Chris yeah. Bogle uh, either of the true freshmen who aren't on campus yet, who makes the biggest impact and why? Uh, I will say Chris Bogle, just because I expect him to start. Um, but I'm going to throw in the the wild card of Aaron Brule, who could just convert to a full-time defensive end, full-time edge rusher. Um, I Just from what I've gleaned from the Mississippi State people as well. Do you yes. have an answer for that? No, probably Chris Bogle. Like you said, he's going to be on the field a lot. He's experienced um, relative to the rest of the guys that we mentioned. I don't think any of these true freshmen is really going to make a huge no. splash this season. Chase Carter is just too small. You know, he's going to have the biggest opportunity because he's on campus already at that defensive end position. That's already thin, but he's hardly any heavier than me. And I get thrown halfway across <laughs> the field every snap. So All right, a little well, bit different two fifteen, though. <laughs> yeah. Let's wrap this thing up. Hope everybody enjoyed. Uh, obviously, like I said, if, if you missed it, make sure that you go ahead and get in on the contest. We have some great prizes, uh, that I'm, I'm hoping everybody will be excited about. So see that tweet. We will post it uh, a few times. It won't just be a one-time thing here over the next couple of weeks. We'll post it to the Facebook group as well if you don't have a Twitter. And uh, we will make sure to have some fun with that. And like I said, the better this one does, the more stuff like this we can do in the future. So hope everybody has some fun with it. Hope everybody enjoys it, shares it, all of that fun stuff. Let's get out of here. Hope everybody has a great week. Hope everybody enjoys the college basketball game here tomorrow. Go Tar Heels. And uh, until next time, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.